This is In-Ear Insights, the Trust Insights Podcast. In this week's In-Ear Insights, we're going to try to talk about the revolving door. So the revolving door is this. Uh, Every time a company makes a new hire or, or promotes somebody, you end up with this weird institutional knowledge loss, right? Where somebody moves on. And as a result, you get people asking the same questions over and over and over again. Maybe not the same person, but it's just the same question. Katie, you were in a Facebook group recently, a marketing Facebook group. And you said it looks like the same questions. And every time that we go to events and things like that, the audience has the same questions. Like, how do I do this in Google Analytics? And it's not that there isn't a lack of knowledge out there. But it is that constant revolving door of losing knowledge, institutional or individual, that keeps us stuck on this treadmill. So my question to you, Katie, because this is a people problem more than anything else, is how do we get people off of this treadmill of being stuck asking the same questions over and over again? Because I'm going to go to social media marketing world next year, almost certainly to speak. And I can guarantee you one of the first questions I'm going to get is, hey, how do we measure social media in, in Google Analytics? It's like this, we, we answered this in 2008. So I think there's two things. One is it's a culture shift. And part of that culture shift is It's not that you're not immediately answering people's questions, but you're sort of pushing back a little bit to say, well, what have you already tried? What have you already researched? Because I think that there's like in the Facebook groups, um, and this is just one example, but people are very quick to offer answers and solutions, which then conditions us to not even seek out answers on our own. So that's, it's good that you have a place to go where you can get answers to your questions, but it also kind of takes you out of that place where you're finding answers for yourself. So that's one half of the problem slash solution. The other is, have we, the people who have the answers, made it easy for people who have the questions to find the answers? And so, for example, you know, does our site have a frequently asked questions that we can sort of say, like, you know, uh, here's a list of the common questions that we as Trust Insights get. How do I measure social media on you know, Google Analytics, how do I set up my Google Analytics? And do we have resources that then point people to the answers that we have given on those questions? Or Chris, you know, to your point, um, if you know, anticipating the questions that you're going to get at social media marketing world or content marketing world or whatever world you happen to step into that day, why wouldn't you lead with, here's a common list of questions that I typically see. Here are the answers to these questions. What else do you have? Interesting. That I remember, I can't remember where I saw it, but there was a, a thing at one point in UI and UX discussion saying like frequently asked questions lists are, are silly because the answer should the question and the answer should be embedded within the content itself rather than having a you know a, like a long ass page on your site. Uh, mm-hmm. But having a directory yep. would actually be a, a very useful thing. Like you know, if someone asks, how do I do Google Analytics attribution in Google Analytics 4? You know, we can link to the podcast episode and stuff like that and just have almost like quick reference or cheat sheets for the different content. That'd be that'd be actually a really good idea. We should, we should maybe do that someday. <laughs> well, I mean, I call it an FAQs, call it a cheat sheet, call it a reference library, whatever it is. It's some sort of, you know, curated content that answers those common questions. And so 
I agree. You don't want to re-answer the question on a separate page that you've already answered somewhere else. That's more work for you, the person who's maintaining the content. Um, but you just want to be able to give someone an easy way to find the answer to the question. And so let's say, you know, we see people commonly coming to our website asking the question because we've looked at our own data. People come to us because they've asked the question, how do I measure social media on Google Analytics? So our first thing that we should be doing is, is that answer easy to find on our website? If not, mm. how can we literally set up some kind of a link, whether it's, you know, let, let's say we put it out on social media in our newsletter, you know, we get this question a lot. How do you measure social media on Google Analytics? People click the link and they go straight to the piece of content that answers that question. That is the cleanest way to handle it and to help people start to get back into that habit of self-serving. So one of the uh, things, so first of all, I should sort of make the disclaimer. I'm fascinated by Facebook groups. If you know anything about me, and if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I have deep-rooted interest in psychology and what makes people tick. And that's why I do change management because it's all based around people. And so the more almost like out in the wild, the anthropologic, anthropological studies that I can do of people and how they behave on like a Facebook group, the more information I get in terms of what are some of the challenges I'm going to run into. So that being said, a lot of times I'll see the moderator of a group you know, just sort of like posting this passive aggressive message. Hey, friendly reminder, don't forget, there's a search button at the top of the group. Here's what the search button looks like. Here's how you can find answers to commonly asked questions. And so they're not setting up that directory. They're actually just sort of like shaming people for not searching first. And so there's this give and take that needs to happen. You can't just tell people, hey, you need to go find your own answer. I'm not going to help you. You need to sort of meet them halfway and then they need to meet you halfway. They need to use the directory you've set up, but you need to create that directory in order for them to use it. Should it be a directory or should it be like literal cheat sheets? Because I, I, I'm attracted to this idea that, you know, certainly in like the R programming world, we have these, these sheets which are really fantastic and, and they mm -hmm. are just, huge uh, lifesavers. I'll, I'll show you an example of one here. And for, if, you're, if you're listening to this, go over to the YouTube channel, trustinsights.ai slash YouTube, at least for this part of the show, and you can see just an example. Mm -hmm. And um, this is what one of the cheat sheets looks like. It just says, here's like the code, here's what you're trying to do, and here's the different coded pieces. I think there might be something to this idea. If you run a Slack group, if you run a Facebook group and stuff, and, and you have these list questions, or if you speak on stage, and you have a list of questions. Certainly, like one of the things that I do is kind of a, a fun little hack is every single time that I do a webinar or a virtual event and there's a chat room, before I leave, I copy and paste everything that was in the chat room into a, a text file and I just store lists of questions um, just to see if, like what questions keep coming up over and over again. It might be time to start assembling some of these. Like, a, um, if, for example, for our stuff, a trust insights, you know, social media analytics cheat sheet. Here's the 15 blog posts on uh, and the 12 podcast episodes and the three YouTube so what episodes, all just with links. You know, just here's mm -hmm. if you have questions about this, here's the question, here's the link to the answer. Question answer. Not super complicated. Probably won't look as nice as this because none of us are designers, uh, but it might be that might be the kind of thing that you could then hand like when someone onboards into the Slack community. Hey, here's your welcome kit. When mm -hmm. someone becomes a new customer, 
of the company, you hand them a welcome kit. Like, yeah, here's how you pay your bills and all stuff. And by the way, if you've got questions that are, are we assume are pretty common, here's the, here's a cheat sheet of all the content we've produced. And that's that would be a really, I've never seen any uh, agency or consulting firm do something like that where they say, Here, you probably have these questions. Here's mm -hmm. a, a link to all of the free stuff so that you can get you, you and your team skilled up right away. Well, and that's just it. So again, call it an FAQs, call it a directory. It doesn't matter what you call it. The end result or the the goal is roughly the same. And so, you know, I think it's one of the things that I try to do is to try to get ahead of the questions that I know people are going to ask so that you're doing your best to answer them and not spend time at the end. If you're like, oh, I knew they were going to ask that question. Why didn't I just answer it? Go ahead and answer those questions ahead of time. It's it's what you're there for. You as the expert are there to answer those questions. So instead of frustrating yourself going, you know, Chris, I'm going to pick on you now. You had said, I know I'm going to get this question again. Okay, great. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to mm -hmm. stand there and be frustrated when you're like, someone's asked me this question like 800 million times, or are you going to proactively try to answer it so that maybe they'll be like, oh, you know, my headspace is cleared up from that question that I had. Maybe I have a more advanced question now because they already know the answer to that other question. I, I like that. And it, what I think I'm going to do with it is, I'm going to, again, take a lot of those questions that we anticipate ahead of time, link it up to the various pieces of content. But mm -hmm. one of the things that we've done, and it's been very successful, and we will continue to do it, is provide link. Uh, you know, called you know, where can I get the slides uh, mm -hmm. for people who want to get session materials and stuff. And you, you make an announcement about that, but not everybody wants to get the slides. You know, they, they, some of them just say, but if you also start with, um, here's some common questions that we've answered in advance, mm -hmm. um, that would be an additional value add that you could put into a, a presentation that might also get you not only your know, registrations for an event, but it might get you different people respond so, to that and the people who want to get the slides you need to go register where can i get the answers.com <laughs> no but i think that it makes sense because it does a couple of things one it keeps your audience engaged because they're seeking those answers and then two it gives us the experts an opportunity to really think through and list out all of those things and so you know you can start to tie it back to content marketing and that content strategy you know, one of the common issues that we see with our clients is they've created so much content that they forget what they've already done and they just keep creating more instead of going back and cataloging and categorizing what they already have and repurposing it. And so this is a great opportunity to do that. So, you know, we work with a an agency that does a lot of work around social media. I would assume that those common questions, how do I measure social media, which social media channel gets the best, you know, conversion for a B2C versus a B2B or, you know, this, that and the other, whatever the questions are, that would be a light lift for that agency to repurpose a lot of what they've already done and re-optimize older content to make sure it's up to date. For us, it's probably going to be a lot of questions around, you know, Google Analytics and measurement and, you know, getting, you know, their MarTech stack stood up. And we have a lot of content around that. So why wouldn't we do the same thing? So I really like that idea, Chris, of, you know, giving audiences, whether they are seeing you at an event or just in general, 
where can I get the answers.com? They click on that and they get a list of questions around a specific topic. We can let them know what the topic is that week or that month and they can get answers to those questions. Yeah, I mean, I was just looking. So on the Trust Insights website alone, we have 595 uh, posts we've put on our on our blog in the last uh, three years, plus an additional 100 or so odd pages. Uh, on my personal website, there's 3,200 blog posts there uh, oh, you know, since 2007. There's 764 episodes of Marketing Over Coffee. So there's a lot of catalog to go through. Um, so I think it might be time to write some code to you know start extracting out, you know, pages and the page titles try to pull out the categories and topics and reorder things then look at just straight up page views you know it's the metric that we often uh don't use properly but in this case what pages within that category are the most popular great those are the ones we start with writing our cheat sheet because if you know eight hundred thousand people have been to uh how do i start my public speaking career Mm -hmm. Seems like that would be a good section to, to, you know, a good post to start the uh, the public speaking questions that the people have. Um, so yeah, it might be time to write some code to do this because you don't want to do it by hand, not with thousands of posts. Well, so then the other side of that question is: Have we done our job in making sure that the content is titled correctly or tagged correctly? Um, I, there's probably quite a quite a few posts where the title doesn't really match what the content mm. is, you know? And so I think that before we get into page views, because, you know, and again, sort of just picking on you a little bit, but this is a common issue that a lot of companies have. Like I know from having worked with you for the past, you know, six some odd years, I know that a lot of the blog posts that you have aren't topically relevant necessarily. And it might be like, here's what I'm cooking on this Friday or, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm. And so, yes, you have, you know, a lot of really good content, but some of it might not be relevant, but depending on what you called it, it might show up. Or if you're looking just at page views alone, maybe your recipe for how to make an omelet is the most popular thing. And so, no, and I, and I, what basically my, the point that I'm making is, you know, if you are just looking at page views and writing the code to say, whatever page is the most popular, feed that in here, it might be a mismatch. And so there does need to be that human intervention. And I think the first thing we need to do is make sure that all of our content is optimized and categorized correctly and titled correctly. Mm -hmm. And then we can move on to that phase of code. Yeah, at the very least categorize like, you know, these are the most common words within each post, because uh, that will also help if a post is titled something you know, clever, um, but is in fact, just about Google Analytics, we would want to know it actually that's yeah, just a Google Analytics post. Right, exactly. And so I think there's some work that we need to do first before we get to uh, the second phase of it. But I think that it's a doable thing. I think it's mm -hmm. absolutely a doable thing. And I think, you know, so you'll be talking about uh, natural language processing at an upcoming conference, the Macon conference. And so what are some of the common questions um, that I would assume you'll be covering in your presentation, but that people would want to walk away with? Like, here's your cheat sheet of answers to your common questions about natural language processing that, yes, I covered in my slides, but as we talked about in our live stream last week, the slide deck itself doesn't give you much information. It's just sort of there as a visual prop for the speaker themselves. 
Ah, that's clever. The cheat sheet as the handout for the slides. I like that. Um, yeah, with natural language processing, it's, it, it's for any topic which is primarily a what is this thing talk, um, it always starts with the first three questions. What, why, and how? What is this thing? Why do I care about it? How does it work? How much does it cost? How do I get started? You know, can I buy it? Do I need an agency, et, et cetera? Those are all the, the basic questions that you'll always get out of a, a what is this kind of talk. And you try and answer those within the, the talk itself. But to your point, um, we've done podcasts and webinars and things on natural language processing. Um, we've produced new content. Um, the, there's a whole new chapter in, um, in AI for Markers, the, the third edition on natural language processing. So there's there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, so my task would be, I guess, to look at the catalog of what we have already tagged either with NLP or with some of the known keywords like GPT-3, for example, and say, okay, these are the posts, this is the stuff we have in the catalog. And then how do I slot it into those three questions? What is it? Why does it matter? How does it work? Well, and interestingly, you just rattled off about 10 questions about natural language processing. So what I would envision is, you know, if I'm at that conference and you say, you know, now that we've gone through this presentation, I want to leave you with this handy cheat sheet of resources to answer those common questions um, so that, you know, you can remember me and whatever the thing is, but basically what you're doing two things. One, you are positioning yourself as that subject matter expert in that topic. So when someone thinks I have questions on natural language processing, they think of Chris Penn, but two, you are bringing people back to the Trust Insights website to explore our content and re-engage with it. And so what they should walk away with is some sort of way to easily get that list of questions and the resources associated. Yep, yeah, it could just literally be a bolded, a bolded post or page on the website. And yes. that's, that's all it needs to be. Um, and that's interesting because when you think about it, that's not just something for speakers either. That goes back to the original question, which is how do you preserve that institutional knowledge? How do you mm -hmm. keep your new junior staff from asking the same question? I remember when we started um, doing more, formal onboarding with our team at our old agency, there was a lot of like in the first week, these are the things you have to read. These are the courses you have to take. These are the, um, you know, the, the videos you have to watch. And even if the person didn't know why they were watching it at that point, because they were, you know, literally a week into their job, they didn't have any clients or anything. Um, they at least remembered that it existed. So when those questions came up later on in their actual client work, they would know, oh, I, they actually, I have seen something like this before somewhere, I need to go and find it. So there's a lesson for everyone there in terms of institutional knowledge. Oh, if you mm -hmm. give somebody basically the table of contents for your team's knowledge base, that goes a long way to helping your, your staff remember where things are. Well, and then it goes back to that other side of the equation of retraining people to self-serve. So in that scenario, Chris, let's say you put together this library of resources around, you know, everything that you know about Google Analytics. And let's say I, as the staff member, come to you and say, hey, Chris, what source medium in Google Analytics? Do you give me the answer straight away? Or do you point me back to that resource and say, if you can't find the answer, then come ask me? Exactly. Pull out the quick reference handbook, look at that first, and then let me know. Yes. And so I think that that's sort of the other piece of it is if you go through all of this work to create that resource library or cheat sheet or whatever you call it, 
then you also need to make sure you're continually pointing people back to it. And that's, you know, the people side of things is so you can, what you can lead a horse to water, or you can teach a man to fish, or whatever the analogy is. But basically, if you are doing all of this work, and then not reinforcing that that's where people should go to the to get the answer, then it was all for nothing. And I'm not saying you just need to be a straight up jerk and be like, I'm not going to give you the answer. I wrote it down over here. The reason why you continually point people back to that is because we culturally, I mean, everybody has gotten so used to this instantaneous, just tell me now, I don't want to have to do the work. And so that's a habit that, quite frankly, we need to break. That's true. I, I mean, it can. It, it, there are places where it's definitely going to be risky. You know, airline pilots are taught you have a quick reference handbook because mm-hmm. you do not have time in an emergency to just you know call up tech support from Boeing and say, "Hey, this plane's doing this thing. What should I do about it?" Um, just turn it of, off and it, turn it on again. I mean, they, they actually as one of the steps. It's like step fourteen for uh, for engine power loss. Um, but the quick reference handbook is there. It's like, this is the place you go when when the defecation hit the ventilation. This is the place you go first. So flip through it, find a problem, and run the checklist. And if that doesn't work, then call for help because at that point, you know that that should have solved most of the common problems. Well, and you bring up a really good point. Like there's always going to be exceptions or it's always going to be conditional. And so I'm making the broad statement, you know, we should make people do some of the work themselves to find the answer. Obviously in life or death situations, you know, if, you know, let's say I'm a surgeon and I say, Oh my God, where did the spleen go? You, I, I would like to say you would just tell me instead of being like, well, why don't you retrace your steps and try to figure it out for yourself? Like, there's obviously exceptions to these rules that we're outlining. Like, there's times where it's completely appropriate just to give someone the answer versus trying to make them seek it out themselves. But what we're talking about are not life or death situations. We're talking about helping people learn the learn marketing information that they can then retain and then pass along over time. And so I'm not looking for someone's spleen that fell out during surgery. I'm looking to understand more about, you know, how to measure social media. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, that's not urgent. That's something that I can take a minute, 90 seconds, two minutes to find the answer on my own. And that's the difference between those sort of two things. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> I, I could see that being a, a bit of a challenge. So, <laughs> if here's here's the last question: What if, what if you're a company or you work at a company where that content doesn't exist? Right, no one's ever written it down. They, you know, customer service is answering the same seven questions all day long, and you know they mm-hmm. call the person like, "Have you tried doing it off?" <laughs> you know the, that kind of thing. As marketers. If you go to your company's website, you're like, wow, this is all 100% self-promotional crap. None of this answers any questions. What do you do in that case? I mean, that's a huge opportunity. It's a huge opportunity to create all kinds of new helpful content that answers those questions. And so what I would do there is I would start collecting information. Maybe I start with the customer support team. What are the top 
four questions you get every single day. And it's probably, you know, why is it blue and not green? Or, you know, why does this red button blink when I keep pushing it? Or why does it hurt when I put my finger here? We'll stop doing that. You know, but, you know, and then ask questions. Have you written down those answers? Does it exist anywhere? Or do you keep repeating the same thing over and over again? And that's an opportunity to be like, okay, let me make your job a little easier. Now, this is where you come into change management and sort of that same conversation we have around, will AI take my job? If customer service believes that their sole purpose is to answer those questions and then you take away answering those questions, there's obviously going to be some resistance to that. So part of that change management and part of that people management is helping them understand and hearing their reservations around if you're not answering those questions, are there other questions, more advanced questions that maybe you're not getting to, or maybe you're not able to actually build those relationships with customers because they just call you angry. What would it look like if they weren't calling you angry and just had general curiosity? Well, you know, I'm trying to cook brown rice instead of white rice. How do I make that in my Instapot? And that's a different conversation than the stupid piece of crap doesn't even work. I can't get it to turn on. Right. That makes sense. No, it sounds like there's um, some usable things for everyone to onboard new staff, to help train existing staff, uh, and to reduce that institutional knowledge leakage with cheat sheets or directories or pro tips or whatever, again, whatever you want to call them, um, and do so in such a way that they actually become valuable marketing tools in and of themselves. If you've got questions about anything we've talked about in today's episode, uh, pop on over to our free Slack group where you can ask the, all these questions and uh, we'll get answers uh, of some kind for, uh, at trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers. And wherever it is that you're watching or listening to this episode, if there's a channel you prefer it on, chances are we're on it. Go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast and you can see where else you can catch the show. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. Need help making your marketing platforms, processes, and people work smarter? Visit trustinsights.ai today and learn how we can help you deliver more impact.